Welcome to my world. I'm your host, Kevin Rutherford. It is Wednesday. It's January 31st already. We've knocked out, knocked out the first month of the year. Been kind of a rough one here weather-wise. Uh, it's finally looking up now. In fact, we went from, you know, crazy single-digit temperatures to now it feels like spring. We got a lot of snow to melt, but uh, it's just about gone. All right, today is Destination Health. It's a destination health free-for-all. If you have anything at all health-related you want to talk about, food, fitness, nutrition, diet, disease, drugs, training, lifestyle, stress, you name it, we'll talk about it. All you have to do is pick up the phone and join me. That number, 855-950-3835. Your call now button on the app should work as well, so jump in and join us. Uh, I've got some odds and ends I'll talk about while we're waiting for some calls, but today is mostly about what is on your mind. First off, um, I've been working a lot on the CMC, um, so I've been going through all my material, getting it together. It's the, the biggest program, biggest single program I've ever put together. Uh, it's kind of exciting to put all that information from about 40 years into one program. And the challenge is getting it organized and making it make sense. While I was doing it, I was going through the material and I found the... Um, I found a bunch of material from a big health program I was also putting together. The funny thing is, now I kind of look at that health program and I just don't think that it's necessary. I went back through a lot of that material, a lot of stuff we taught in the beginning, keto jumpstart and metabolic syndrome and a lot of stuff on autoimmune conditions and a lot of really good material and good things we taught. You know, we used to talk about multiple diets. If it was a, uh, a severe autoimmune condition, we might be looking at one diet. If it was metabolic health, we might be looking at another. If it was immune system, maybe another. And I've talked about this before. The more I work with people, the more I test things myself, the more I read, the more I follow other uh, doctors and practitioners, I am now completely convinced that the healthiest human diet really is animal products, carnivore. The more carnivore you eat, the healthier you will be, the fewer health problems of any kind you're going to see. <clears throat> now, I can't promise that carnivore heals everything, but it really heals a lot, and it doesn't cause any new issues the way some other diets we've seen. When I look outside of animal products themselves, so we're talking about meat, fish, eggs, dairy, basically. And dairy, remember, dairy, the dairy part of this carnivore diet was not a part of our paleo diet. That's why dairy is, it can be confusing. We like dairy. It adds a lot of variety to our diet, but then we have to be careful of the quality. And is it A2? And is it grass-fed? And if not, it's got some problems. And even the best stuff on the market is ultra-pasteurized almost always now. That creates another issue. So dairy is the one wild card when we talk about carnivore. Now, I, I could go 
to the point of saying the healthiest diet would be carnivore minus dairy. Dairy is the one part of carnivore that can cause issues for some people, and we really have to pay attention to the quality and how it was processed and um, several things. So for a lot of people, myself included, it's worth it to kind of manage those issues with dairy and, and, you know, work to find the best quality because I do like dairy in my diet. I love cheese. Uh, I love heavy cream in, in a cup of coffee. I love yogurt. That's definitely dairy. So it's one of those choices you make if you're going to add dairy to a uh, carnivore diet, trying to manage the issues. But other than dairy, if, and, and like I said, that it makes sense that dairy may still create some issues. It wasn't a real human food. But because it's an animal product, because it is, it's got good fats and good saturated fats, and it, there does seem to be some health benefits to adding dairy to your diet if you get the quality right and, and you're not reactive to it. But every other food group, when we look at you know nuts and seeds, we on keto, we promoted a lot of nuts and seeds. We used almond flour to replace our grain flours. It's not to say it was bad. People got very, very healthy on keto, but not everybody did. And there were issues. Um, nuts and seeds both are high in a lot of anti-nutrients, phytates, lectins, oxalates. We have to be careful with that. All vegetables, for the most part, there are a couple that are kind of neutral, I guess. Actually, um, salad greens are kind of neutral, not really a lot of problems with them, but there's also like zero nutrition. So you, you would only eat those kind of things because you really enjoyed it. It's not adding any nutrition. Uh, fruit today, really, fruit is a treat. It's dessert. If you're metabolically healthy, I talk about it all the time. I eat fruit every day and I eat some honey every day. And if you're metabolically healthy, you can do that. But those are foods that that you kind of have to manage. You can overdo those foods. I really believe the only food groups we can't overdo are true animal products minus dairy. Got to take dairy out of that mix. If I'm talking about, you know, are there any issues can we overdo it? When you look at meat, fish, and eggs, you really can't overdo it. You eat those as much as you want. Eat until you're completely satisfied. You should never be hungry. And if that's what you're eating, you are going to end up maintaining a normal, healthy body weight. And it seems to eliminate about 90% of all our health issues. It's... Um, it, it's almost, you know, and I talked about this with keto in the beginning. I, I said this is almost seems like it's too good to be true. It seems to fix everything about our health. And we said that about keto too, but carnivore is even more powerful when it comes to that. And don't forget, carnivore is keto. If you are eating a carnivore diet, you are going to be in ketosis, and that is the definition of a ketogenic diet. So keto isn't necessarily carnivore, but carnivore is definitely keto. What else did I have down here? Um, We've talked about this issue for a long time. I've been reading more and more material. There is somebody I follow on X. uh, I've mentioned his name before and recommended if you want to understand 
the real truth about statins from somebody who has really kind of dedicated their life to this topic, um, reach out to me on X and I'll send you a link. Uh, This person posts multiple times every day over and over and over, and I have never seen them post about any other topic other than statins. And the material they have uncovered and the research they've found and the way they've interpreted it is it goes way beyond what we've talked about. Statins should be outlawed. They absolutely should not be given to humans. They have zero benefits and tons of downsides and negative side effects. And it is, it is criminal what we have done with statins to people. The one thing that statins do, they will lower your cholesterol numbers. They will do that. But that's bad. We don't want to lower those numbers. Now we're finding even LDL should never have been labeled bad cholesterol. Your cholesterol is only bad if you're eating such a horrible diet that damages that cholesterol. The, the carnivore diet or a keto diet or a diet heavy in saturated fat is not in any way unhealthy. Not in any way at all. In fact, it's the exact opposite. When we took away the fats, when we were afraid of saturated fat, that's when we got sick because we replace it with sugar and grains and all kinds of other garbage that we really don't need in our body. Uh, What else do I have? Oh, um, something we have. Oh, here's what I was going to say. The idea of putting together a health program or a course like the ones we already have, Keto Jumpstart, uh, metabolic syndrome, those kind of things. I, I just don't think it's necessary. If people are interested in that and they want to take those courses, you can really learn a lot. But it's not necessary to be healthy. We, it, this, it turns out, eating is really, really simple. Eat animal products, be done with it. You know, I, I talked about this on, on an open last week where I related this to you know, financial planning. I, I don't, I can't create any financial planning courses. I can't charge people for, any, for financial planning. It's too simple. I mean, I, I can tell you how to retire in two steps. While you're working, spend less than you earn and put the savings in the S&P 500 and forget about it. Uh, it, it really is that easy. Eating is the same way. It's so easy. I, I, I really, it just doesn't make any sense to, to create courses around this or seminars or webinars because you don't need to know this. If you need to know it, I can tell you where you can go. There's lots of books, but honestly, you just don't need to know it. Eat mostly animal products and, you know, get some sunshine, plenty of salt, plenty of fresh air, stay hydrated, do some grounding. I, I mean, this stuff is so, so simple that it just doesn't make sense to create a course. Now, when I was looking at it, if I were going to teach anything around health, believe it or not, it wouldn't have much to do with diet. And we know that diet is the most important thing, but the diet part is just too simple. I mean, now that we've learned all that, we've taken all that complication, we've really simplified it. Um, Diet is the number one factor, but diet's just so easy. So if I were to teach anything, actually the skills I see around health, um, I would almost 
put together something on all of the uh, the skills of homesteading. Even though not everybody has a homestead, the skills that you need, uh, gardening, canning, food preservation, you know, preparation, things like that, those are valuable skills that actually make sense. And there's another big reason to learn those skills. One, health. Um, the single biggest thing I've done that makes the carnivore diet so much easier is to pre- prepare as much of your protein ahead of time as you can. Canning is the best. Um, it, it requires no refrigeration. Once you can meat, it's already cooked, and it requires no refrigeration. That is perfect for the road. Take all that food with you on the road. Now you have food, you have meat, which is the primary part of your diet. It's already cooked. It doesn't need refrigeration. You open up a jar, you heat it up, you eat it. You open up a jar, you eat cold if you want. It doesn't get any easier than that. It's also a really good practice, given what's, given what's going on in our world right now. I'm going to come back to that. Um, the other way of pre-preparing proteins um, pre-cook a lot of your protein and then refrigerate it or freeze it depending on how long you need it to last. Uh, there are lots of proteins, certain cuts of meat, meatballs. There's all kinds of things that freeze really well. So you prepare it, you freeze it, take it out, you thought you've got another meal. So uh, if I were to do anything uh, as far as training goes around health that would probably be based on the skills of homesteading and then stress lifestyle around stress Uh, people really do need some education in that area and that's a little more complicated but i don't see that happening anytime soon um, because i'm pretty well swamped with the cmc right now i do want to come back to this idea of the homesteading skills all these things we talk about that could help us be healthier also help us be more prepared for a a true emergency. I read an article this morning. uh, It's actually pretty concerning. And I've talked about this before, but I've never really seen anybody admit uh, what I what I read this morning. The FBI is is basically now saying that China has the ability to wreak havoc with American infrastructure. Their hackers are in our systems every day. We know they're there. They've been there for years. They test and they push. And the FBI is now saying that China has the capability of really messing with U.S. infrastructure, water systems, power grids, banking systems, Uh, A lot of areas where they could cause us a lot of damage. According to the FBI, they currently have the capability to affect all of those systems. And the FBI just believes they're just waiting till they decide it's time to use them. And if you start to understand what could happen, especially for drivers, talk about this a lot. Every time I go out on the road, it's one of the biggest things on my mind. I'm totally prepared here at home, and I'm prepared when I'm on the road as as much as I can possibly be, but I'm also at times thousands of miles away from home. That's a pretty big deal. So think this through, have a plan at home, 
have a uh, have a plan when you're on the road. Be prepared. I, I this is coming. I, I am completely convinced we are going to start seeing these kinds of cyber attack issues. We know China can do it, but we're we're also pretty sure that other countries are also very close to being able to do it. Iran, North Korea, um, and look what's going on with Iran right now. Iran knows they absolutely can't go toe-to-toe with us anywhere in the world military-wise. We would crush them, but they have terrorist tactics, and they do have the ability to attack us here on our own soil with cyber attacks. And we should pay attention to that. Uh, we could talk about that. We could talk about anything at all you want. It is a free-for-all destination health day. I'm going to jump into some phone calls. Looks like our audio is working good today. Let's hope it holds up when we go to the phones. Uh, jump in and join us, 855 Hey, one more thing real quick. Not a not a big deal. I've been talking about this. I know most people listening don't need um, the kind of, you know, bulletproof internet connections um, that we need to do this show. This is the one area about technology I'm really happy with right now uh, is our, our internet setup. I've talked about it. I've got this... Uh, this router that brings all your signals together and bonds them. So I, really, I should never have to worry about an internet uh, problem at all anymore. But I found something that, that works with this router that's even even more bulletproof. I didn't even know technology like this existed. It's kind of cool. So just real quick, the way this one works again is that it is a router so this is kind of where my internet Wi-Fi comes from and all that. This router allows you to connect multiple internet connections. Uh, the, the router, I have up to four connections. Um, they make routers that you could actually put in up to six. That That's really kind of overkill to me. I guess there might be some operations that need that. So the the possibilities are, so for my setup, I've got Starlink coming in, which Starlink on its own is one of the most reliable internet services I've used. So that's good news now that we're always on Starlink, uh, no matter where I go, the house, the homestead, the coach. Then you can add um, SIM cards for cellular internet service, and you buy the plan right through them. They've got big Big data limits, really big. Better plans than you can get through the phone companies themselves. I found something last night that was really interesting. So right now I have, uh, if I'm at home, I currently have three internet connections. I have Starlink, I have an AT&T cellular connection, and then I can also grab my other home Wi-Fi signal, my um, fiber and add that in, and they bond together. Now, I still have room for one more connection. I can put one more SIM card in, and I was going to put a a Verizon card in, so when I travel on the road, then I still have at least three connections at all times. But they have something um, that I ordered. I I ordered it yesterday as soon as I found it and figured out what it was. It's actually called a virtual SIM card. This is a SIM card that can connect to any of the 
big three cellular networks on one SIM card. It can connect to Verizon, AT&T, and I think the third one is T-Mobile with one SIM card. Now, because of the way this technology works, you can only use one of these virtual SIM cards in a device that allows more than one internet connection. You have to have at least two internet connections to make this virtual device work because this SIM card has to have a connection to the internet in order to to connect to its carrier network. It doesn't work like a regular SIM card that goes out and grabs the signal over the air. It somehow is grabbing, making the connection to the to the cell networks through a server somewhere. So you have to have one connection that gets you online first, then your virtual connection it monitors whatever system it's connected to, and if there's a problem, it just reconnects to one of the others. Or when I'm traveling, if I park in an area and the AT&T signal is just lousy, it's going to connect to Verizon or T-Mobile instead. It will connect to the strongest network. So pretty darn cool technology. Now, now when I go on the road, I, I should have rock-solid internet, bulletproof. We should not have, and when I'm home either place, internet issues should not be a problem anymore. Uh, so we're pretty excited about that. All right, that's enough of that. We're going to uh, we're gonna get to the phone calls. We are off to Massachusetts. Todd, welcome to the program. Hey, Kevin, hopefully your new tech will hold up to the uh, Chinese assault that will probably come before the election. Uh, if we can believe the FBI just to take a cheap shot at them, there's no question that the Chinese have the ability and the intention. But, you know, the FBI, they're probably, who knows? But anyway, hey, you know, the, uh, real quick on that topic, there was a um, there was a book and I'm thinking it was written by Ted Koppel, maybe. The book was written by one of the uh, one of those kind of classic newscaster guys. I, for some reason, I'm thinking it was Ted Koppel, but I'd have to go back and look. And he wrote a serious nonfiction book about how vulnerable our power grid was. And this was over a decade ago he wrote this. And he talked about the fact that back then we knew multiple countries were had already hacked into our systems and we, we can see that they're in there we know that they're in there we don't know exactly we know where they're going what they're looking at and and now we know they have the capability it, it seems to me like if we know they're in there we should be able to keep them out but you know technology is well, way more complicated than that we know they're in there and now we absolutely know they have the ability um, to take down these systems. Well, you remember that um, mutually assured destruction, even in terms of electronics, I'm sure the U.S. has, who knows, under Uncle Joe, but we have that capability to take them out. And if they don't oh. make a move before the next, then I would assume that's why, because, you know, they, they have a feeling that we could take them down. And you've told us that their country is not in that great a shape as they would have us believe, right? they got a lot of problems internally. China does have one, take, yeah. 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 And it wouldn't take... I don't know anything about it, but I don't think we'll, we'll take too much. You know, here's, you know, to, to let people know that this is real, we have all of those capabilities as well. 
and you can bet that we have we have people who are testing all of their systems in fact this is how we took down iran's nuclear program we hacked into yep. their nuclear plant where they claimed they were only producing energy but we really found out they were producing materials for bombs and to simplify it, we actually took their centrifuges. They have these giant centrifuges that are part of this process. And we hacked into them in a way that we had them spinning at speeds that would destroy them. But we hacked their system so none of their safety mechanisms or any of their operators could tell it was happening. And we destroyed their centrifuges. Kevin, it was genius. I, I saw this. I read this somewhere. It was called, if you look up uh, Stuxnet, I think it's S-T-U-X. They, this, I'm going to say the CIA left thumb drives in Internet cafes in that country, enough so that finally the wrong or right person took it and plugged it in somewhere inside that network. And that from that infected thumb drive, that's how they got access to their centrifuges. I, I think I saw that in 60 Minutes. It was genius. And um, anyway, hopefully they, they've got something else in place. But it was called Stuxnet, and it was totally great American ingenuity, and I, I loved it. And um, so, um, yeah, going backwards in terms of the stuff that you were talking about before, uh, while opening the show, um, creating courses, um, you know, health is pretty easy. Just, you know, eat, like you say, you meat, fish, and eggs, and, and you're good. And what occurred to me, because I'm, I am an outlier, was, um, you know, if, if you created a course, I don't know if it'd be worth it, but people, well, maybe for detox, for people to, to get out of the damage they've done, you know, because it's not always corrected just to eat, um, you know, carnivore. And, um, you know, even then, it, 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 that transition period can be rough. So maybe a transition slash detox thing, um would you know would be something to consider and i, I have a, i have a whole bunch of other stuff uh, on health that i want to yeah yeah what my thought on that is courses are a lot of work and if you're not going to get a lot of people to sign up for a course they're just money you just lose money on them all the time and effort you put into them if you can't sell enough courses it's just not worth doing it and it's kind of why we've created the coaching program it's a it's a better option for me than to try to create courses on all the things that could possibly go wrong. Like you said, there there's there's stuff I could teach people, and I could teach people about grounding and stress and all kinds of other things, but not not enough that it that it's worth building all these different courses for all the things that could possibly go wrong and how do you fix them? And the the, the group coaching is a much much better fit for that. Where you just narrow right down to somebody's problem and fix it. Yeah, agreed. I, I agree. Yeah. Um, so I was we've I think you've discussed it on the show before. Most people are familiar with the um, roughly five thousand three hundred year old Iceman. Familiar with him? Yes. Okay, so I was just rereading and listening to uh, some stuff on the based on the contents of his stomach, and it's pretty fascinating. The, the the end of the story was these people, including, and they say it with a straight face, this man's title is a mummy scientist, and you know he's just a smart guy, but that's what they call him, and he travels all over the world um, looking at mummies, and his conclusion based on the things I'm going to go into in a second was 
genetics. And, and I was like, you know, I have to call bullshit on that one. But so here's the thing. This guy, this um, Iceman was about 50 years old and he was 9,000 feet in those mountains. And, you know, they, they, they describe him as fit and slim, you know, I, what else could he be? But right. I don't know how they determine slim, you know, and, um, and so in his stomach, and I think on his person, he uh, he had ibex, which I think is goat and reindeer meat, right? So it was a it was a diet high in, in in fat and lipids, and this guy was he was thinking that for some reason ibex didn't have much fat on him, but except for in the neck, he thought that maybe the um, ice man had on him neck meat from the um, so from the ibex. Yeah. So here's the interesting thing, and I've talked about this watching the uh, the show alone. And it really became apparent that, and, and we kind of knew this, but we never, we don't think about it enough or we don't talk about it enough. Wild game is almost all very, very lean. The, there are a few exceptions to that, but it's not typically the animals we eat a lot. The, the one exception, um, good fatty meat that we could find out in the wild would be like wild boar. Uh, they're fatty yeah. by by nature. They're fatty, but most of the animals we would hunt down and eat, the ungulates, are very very lean. There's not a lot of fat on them, and and it, because of that, we prize the fat. It is the single mo- you watch that show alone, and it is all about getting the the anywhere you can find an animal with some fat on it. That's what they went for. The, the the fat is the prize, and it's rare. It's hard to find. The the one episode I remember, uh, I think it might have been the one where the guy killed the muskox with the bow and arrow and the knife, uh, which was pretty incredible. I think it might have been that one. And he processed the animal. He separated all the fat out that he could from the meat, and he spent days building this big cache up in a tree, so he could protect the meat up there, and a wolverine got up. The only thing that the wolverine stole off that platform was the fat. It knows. Every, the animals know the fat is what keeps us alive. That That is the, the true treasure out in the wild, and it's why there would never, ever be a vegan society living as hunter-gatherers because you can't. You would die. You know, you know, vegan is an ancient Indian word for lousy hunter. Exactly. Yeah, that that's exactly right. It's so it, it's interesting that you know the the wild animals that we really did evolve on are pretty lean, and we were always looking to find more fat. Yeah, yeah, very, uh, very true. Totally lean. As you look around at you know deer or whatever. Squirrels or just rabbits, you know, just no fat. So this, uh, this. Ice Ra- oh, rabbits! Rabbits are unique. Not only are rabbits crazy lean, almost no fat anywhere at all. They are really high in protein, and it is entirely possible to get protein poisoning if all you eat is rabbit. Wow! I doesn't I did not know that, but it doesn't surprise me because they, yeah, they're. They're just super lean, and they're always just eating, you know, grass to to do whatever it is. They all they get there, just eating constantly that rabbit food, literally. Yeah, 
So yeah, everything around us that we see is basically uh, lean uh, in terms of wild animals. So this ice man, he had on him, this gets really interesting, he had on him what this scientist was calling a first aid kit. And what that first aid kit had in it, I don't have the names, but it's a couple of different kinds of mushrooms. And it's so interesting. I got to find out more about. It. So he thought that some of these mushrooms were to staunch bleeding, and some of them were for starting a fire. And uh, it's just fascinating to me beyond, you know. So so he has this uh, little medical kit with him, and um, he also in his stomach for plant matter. He had what they call the toxic fern. Now they don't know why he would have eaten it with a random possibility that it was a young fern and maybe not yet that toxic and um but anyway those are some now those are those are the plants that they know of or that they, at least they covered and um so uh what are i going to say uh all the stuff right in front of me so I'll, I'll make a comment on that while you're thinking about yeah. it because i i am convinced now that humans did use a lot of plants. We we did consume plants, but not really as part of our diet. We use plants as medicine. And I think that's the way that nature really worked for human beings. And we know it works for animals. There are times we we see animals that eat weird plants that they don't normally eat. And I think it's because they've, they've also figured out they're smart enough to know um, that there are healing properties to, to plants. But for, for carnivores, whether it's a, a lion or, or a human, I really believe that, that animals are food and plants are medicine. Yeah, no, no question. I mean, yeah, I just, I can't see anyone making a case uh, other than that. And um, where it gets really, really interesting, this is what I was trying to find, is, and they didn't cover this in the show, I had to dig around a little bit uh, on my own because I was very curious. As you can remember, I've, I've called in a couple of times about dental work. I was like, what was this man's dental work? Now, remember, he was he's 50 years old. Right. And um, and he, believe it or not, he's working the word trans into this conversation. He's, he's uh, at a time they call the copper age. So he's between right in between hunter-gatherer and agriculture, and at least where he was in that part of the world. And his teeth, had some pretty serious problems. And um, so it says uh, cavities and periodontal disease he had. And so something I haven't mentioned beyond those poems was um, einkorn wheat, in which, did it, which I think from some past reading that if you go back far enough, wheat was called emmer. And by the time of the Bible in that area, it, was, it had hybridized over a thousand or so years into einkorn wheat. And so he had this einkorn wheat in his stomach. And I got this theory, and I'm getting back to genetics like when I opened the call with, because this scientist thought it had to do with genetics. But So he has all these problems with his teeth, and they think it's genetics. I'm like, well, what if, if his, his habitual diet that day, he was, he was 9,000 feet in the mountain. And by the way, he, he was murdered. He had a couple of arrows oh. in, in his shoulder. So... So if the thought is that the his health issues were genetic, we're talking specifically about his teeth, why is it that those problems didn't show up until about this time in history when humans started to consume wheat and grains? Well, that's that right. Therein lies the, the crux, right? Because th these scientists, 
they were they're actually down on on fat consumption. It was pretty funny to listen to them because they obviously didn't know what they were talking about out you know in terms of what humans need because um, they were convinced this was Let, genetic. But I'm like, wait a minute, this guy. Yep. Yeah, let's think about something else around genetics. So we would say that if you want to study genetic differences, one of the most distinct. Di- uh, genetic differences should occur between the group of of hominids, I think is the right word, uh, that were, uh, oh shoot, I just drew a blank on the word. It was right on the tip of my tongue. Um, what's the word I'm looking for? We can still test for it in our DNA. If uh- a protein? No, the other like- the, the other group, not not like the humans we are today. Neanderthal, we we can still oh, test oh. for Neanderthal DNA. That was a pretty distinct difference between Neanderthal and what do we call what we are technically now? I forget the term. Uh, Homo sapiens. I guess maybe. Um, that, that's a distinct difference. It's it, it almost, I mean, there was enough differences. It's almost like a different species within that, that group. Like in primates, you can have monkeys and chimpanzees and gorillas and apes, and they're all very different on the outside, clearly distinctly different. Um, True Neanderthals are very different than the the next group of humans that evolved. And yet, we can still test for that DNA. I've talked about this. I have more Neanderthal DNA than 98% of the population. We can measure that. So here's two almost different species of humans, and yet... There's not really any difference between them, not not in nutrition and health. They still eat animal products. They still they're virtually identical. So it, so if 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 we can take two groups of humans that we can see physical differences, but genetically they're not really different when it comes to diet and disease, why do we think genetics would have anything to do with much of anything? Wait, are you comparing us or modern humans to the the Neanderthals, I'm missing the part. Yeah, the, the more modern human, whatever came after Neanderthals, I forget the term we use. Well, but isn't the diet the, the big difference? No, no, it's really not. The quality, no, I'm sorry. The quality of the food. Um, no, if, if we go back to when both groups inherited the planet, they lived together and they, they interbred. That's why I have Neanderthal DNA. They, they interbred a yeah. lot. So there really wasn't much difference between them genetically. Genetics just aren't that important. They they were different enough that you could see physical differences, but in the real world, they're not different. The, if you feed them the wrong diet, they get the same diseases. If you feed them the right diet, they're healthy. So genetics just really don't play a role in much of this. Right. I I agree. It's, yeah, it it's super, super rare. I forget there's one you mentioned from time to time that's a legitimate genetic. I don't know if it's hemochromatosis, but there's something. Oh, there there are definitely health conditions that can be traced back to certain genes. But then what we find is those genes have developed over time because we've changed the diet of humans so drastically. 
And I and I will tell you this, and it won't surprise you. Speaking of which, their microbial, their gut microbiota, that was much different than ours it, today. Not only not only their gut microbiome, their oral microbiome, their skin microbiome. We've talked about this that when when uh, Weston A. Price went around and visited all the 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 tribes that still existed back then, this is like the 1920s, I think, there were still a lot of indigenous tribes around the world. And that's what he went out to study to figure out what we had screwed up in our modern world and why we were getting so many cavities and it kept getting worse every year. That was the reason he went and did all this. One of the other things he discovered, he was shocked because he said, these tribes, I'm living with them in close quarters every day. They don't bathe. They have no oral care whatsoever, but they don't stink. They don't have body odor. Yeah. They don't have bad breath. Their microbiome was natural and complete, and you didn't need those things. You didn't stink and and it's bacteria that causes odors. They had developed bacteria that did not create offensive odors. Yep. Yeah. It's it's funny. I mean, it, it, ordinarily it would be TMI or too much information, but I I haven't used soap now in a few months, and um, you know I don't I don't have any odors. I also don't use deodorant, so it doesn't. You know. Yeah. My, I, well, People freak out about yeah, that kind of stuff, but it, it is a part of what has damaged our health, all these crazy chemicals we use. Yep. And if uh, if you found yourself or anyone out there locked in a phone booth with me, you, you wouldn't smell anything different. It would, you know, it's just, but um, I, I guess I buried my lead here. One of the greatest uh, parts of this, this uh, thing I was listening to was, because this guy, he's a mummy scientist, that's what he calls himself, and, and he said 30 to 40% of mummies from around the world that he named Egypt and South America have some level of uh, arterial calcification. And this uh, Iceman, which is this, it just surprised me, he had a decent level of uh, arterial, he, they called it severe, I have that quotation on a severe calcification. And I thought, okay, then his diet at 9,000 feet was Ibex and reindeer, but his habitual diet must have been grains. You know, that must have been or, the bulk of it. Or maybe there's another uh, another answer to this. Maybe some level of calcification over the years is just normal and it doesn't even cause problems. That, yeah, that's a possibility, definitely. Why not? Um, I was just talking, and if, you know, if I could ever remember... Think about it. Our, our body, we know that you could eat the healthiest diet in the world. Our body will change over time. Our hair can completely change colors and turn white or gray. I mean, things happen over time to a human body, and maybe calcification is, is part of it. It's not really an issue. It's like the idea that, you know, we keep making a big deal out of prostate cancer, but we find out if, if an, a male lives to 70 years old, he's going to have prostate cancer. It's almost, almost everybody gets some sort of malignant cells in the prostate but most of the time it's not a problem it's not going to become full-blown cancer that's going to cause any problems right you die with it but not from it right um, yeah and maybe and, maybe you know, it is normal for humans if they live six or seven or eight decades that they have some calcification they die with it but not from it 
I'm going to try and remember to ask Dr. Wilson if he's been back on about arterial calcification and um, the diet he espouses. Um, but you you um, you mentioned the prostate, and, and it, it actually touches on something I've been wanting to ask you that somehow I didn't pick up, and same on me. But these these kegels is when you do that, that keeps a, a man or a man and a woman from having to urinate as much because it's a weak muscle. Is it is that the prostate? So yeah, the the prostate in a male. Um, it does several things. We're, we're not really, kegels don't work the prostate itself. They work all the muscles in that area. That's why they're, okay. women primarily do kegels. It, it's mostly a, a female thing. But we've figured out that when you look at all the prostate issues that men have, it, it is because those muscles get weak. My, my belief is they get weak. One, poor nutrition is a part of it. The other part is we're just very inactive. We don't move the way we used to move as hunter-gatherers, and we kept muscle tone in all of those areas of our body. And as hunter-gatherers, we almost never sat. If we weren't standing or laying down, we were probably squatting. We worked those muscles in that area constantly all day long, and they stayed strong and healthy. In our current lifestyle of, of sitting more than anything else, those muscles get weak. They're, they're called the pelvic floor muscles. That's what we're working out, but it, it helps prostate health in men. In women, one of the biggest problems women face is incontinence. Those muscles get weak, and they, you know, every time they giggle, they pee themselves. That's why we have adult diapers yeah. now, and, and that's not normal. It's not natural. So for women, the problem is when those muscles get weak, they tend to develop a lot of incontinence. So for them, strengthening those muscles fixes that issue. For males, strengthening those muscles seems to eliminate most of the prostate issues we see. I, I got a brother I got to tell this to. Uh, my sister comes to me one time. He took a leak within you know a short period of time, but he was drinking some wine. Um, you know, I, I think I mentioned before, but I, I was uh, a program manager overseas in developing countries for, for some years, and I used to, uh, well, when I lived in the Congo, I, uh, it was funny you say that we did, if we weren't standing, we were probably sleeping. And as we would walk around in the course of our day, was, you know, where I was living in this village, you just, if you were sitting, you were squatting because there were no right. chairs anywhere. Right. You know, it, it, it was, and I got used to it, but yeah, it was no chairs. You squat or you lay down. That's well, it. and I would challenge people to try squatting for long periods, of t- not even long periods of time. Try squatting for five minutes. Most humans can't do it anymore. We, we've lost yep. all that muscle tone and strength that would allow us to comfortably squat like that. So I've tried it. I'm like, why would anybody do this? This is horribly uncomfortable. But it's only uncomfortable because we're not used to it. We don't do it. We don't have that muscle strength. But that was it. It wasn't like every time you're wandering around outside, there was a place to sit down. There wasn't chairs. We squatted. Right. And it, it was and, very and common. Man, yeah. And, and uh, not just normal. Imagine uh, we having to move your bowels, you know, and you have to, well, that, that's what you're stuck with. Did, <laughs> do you know one of the, one of the successful products that came out of Shark Tank? Uh, no, I didn't watch that. It's called, it? It, it's called the Squatty Potty. My cousin had that for her girls. Yeah, 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 yeah. I didn't know that was from Shark Tank. That was from Shark Tank. And yeah. the idea is that human beings 
didn't sit down on a toilet. They squatted, and it changes your physiology completely, and it is the more natural way, and it relieves most of the other problems we see in today's modern world. Constipation, hemorrhoids, all kinds of things come from the fact that we don't squat anymore. Back when I used to go to a gym, uh, and it was in the city at the time, and they had these kind of gas chamber showers, and I was walking by the showers, and there was this Asian man. You know, this, this, you know, he's only so tall, and the showers, are, you know, they come out at whatever it is, say seven feet. Uh, and he was, even though he had so much clearance, he was squatting to shower. And it was the funniest thing. But that's how he grew up, and that's, you know, how he did it. Well, and then when we would have, yep. Yeah, I was going to say, watch any any show or documentary or anything about third world countries and pay attention to how many people are squatting. Yep, yep, that's that's how they sit down. And when we would have people in our offices in various places where I was uh, on the equator, you would, you know, local people, you would notice over time that there were scuff marks on the toilet, the, the part that you fold down, because they would use a toilet, but they would stand up on top of it. Well, that... That's what the squatty potty does. It's like a little footstool that you sit in front so you can stand on that and kind of squat over your toilet. And it is a much more natural way and things work better. There are diagrams that show how your colon and everything is in a different position that makes it much more natural and easier. Hey, I want to move on to one more thing before I cut you loose since it kind of kind of fits into this. I read an article yesterday from Dr. Mercola, and as soon as I read the headline and started reading the article, I, my first reaction was, has he lost his mind? What is he thinking? He was actually talking about the fact that even though for decades now he has encouraged people to give up shoes and socks and go barefoot as much yeah. as possible, and yeah. I've talked about this, and he was saying that this, that we, we have to rethink this and that he is going back to wearing shoes. And I'm like, wait a minute, what are you, what are you thinking? That's insane. Why would we do that? Until he explained, and then it made total sense to me. He said, our foot is designed to walk outside in nature. It's a perfect design for that. And walking outside in nature in bare feet has huge benefits, not just grounding. It it affects our brain, the way our, our feet navigate uneven surfaces. It actually trains our brain. There's some real science behind this. And he said, that is absolutely, if you're in nature, on the beach, on trails and grass, wherever, you should be in bare feet. He said, the problem now is we spend so much time as human beings walking on completely flat, smooth surfaces, and that's not good for our bare feet. Yeah, he he said his whole house in that article is is hard tile, and that was what he was walking on, and he got uh, a bunion from that right that was so hard to believe and yeah i was like so crazy stuff so but he's an extremist you know and he he just you know he was just doing what he thought was good but he got flat feet i think also because your arches need that support of the earth as you walk on some uneven surfaces and if anyone's uh super hardcore they can develop a a kind of flooring that mimics the earth with all kinds of lumps and bumps good luck sweet yeah but yeah it it turns out that it, it it there's nothing 
unnatural or unhealthy about being in bare feet. If you truly walked on natural surfaces all the time, then you should be barefoot all the time. But in these hard, flat surfaces that are not natural at all, we do need some sort of support for our feet. And that that confused me at first. I'm like, why? That's not natural. Why would we do? Well, the problem is the surface we're walking on isn't natural. Yep. I've seen, I live close to where they run the Boston Marathon, and you see people running that on the macadam or, you know, the pavement barefoot. You people got to be off your rocker. And so anyway, I, I know you, you want to move on, but that, I, I read that article too. It was pretty surprising. Just like he eats um, five or 600 carbs a day in fruit. I was, I was like, oh, so he's changed his position on a couple of things. Yeah, um, I, I'm kind of with him on the fruit. I can't eat that much. I start to notice some down downsides to that much. But I do eat fruit every day, and I've been adding a little bit more, and I can eat some honey and not notice any um, real negative effects at all. So, uh, all right, Todd, we're going to move along. Good stuff today, as always. Let's uh, let's go to South Carolina. Terrence, welcome. How's it going, Kev? Good. What's on your mind today? Well, Got some good news. Oh, good. Oh, so, uh, we went Monday for the, yeah. So went for the scan. Evidently, I forget whether it was centimeters or millimeters, whatever they used to measure it. The original scan was like nine millimeters, nine, nine centimeters, and it's down to 1.5. That's the one that was across a lung and wow. that, uh, you know, that, that artery. So she did real well with that. Um, I mean, she's, you know, Lost the hair and all that shit, and right. Well, yeah, you know, I mean, it, it, you know about it. it, it yeah, it's it, bad. It, it wreaks havoc on you. Yeah, but the, uh, you know, it was a big, 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 nice relief. And the only thing now they're not concerned about, but they're going to keep doing that uh, immunal stuff to her. You know, the, the uh, I guess it's an injection or like an IV immunotherapy. Oh yeah, I guess yeah. Correct, you know, they're claiming that's the thing to do. Right. And then um, because they had that one that went into a skull. Into the skull, not the brain. They want to do preventive radiation. So I was a little skeptic, but I, you know, I can't make that decision for her. You know what I mean? Right. So right. she's going to do a little research on it. But they're just saying it's better to prevent it and then to let it go. And then and that ties into the brain or something. So Yeah. Well, well good. Glad to hear that. Yeah. It was a big relief. Big, uh, big to do there. So. Excellent. But anyway, so now I've been, uh, obviously I've been just like not eating correctly. Just, <laughs> you know, I'm making an excuse, I guess, but I don't have, I, but like I, um, I started uh, doing the yogurt again and, um, with the X3 bar and my God, like I, I mean, I could physically like see the, it's amazing how fast the muscle builds. It is pretty incredible. It, like, with, with the, um, with the Alruderite, I mean, yeah. it's like you can physically, I mean, visually see it, like within like a week or two weeks. Yes. So anyone, that's, I mean, that X3 bar is amazing. I know it's expensive when you look at it at first, but it's you feel so much better after doing it, and you know what I mean. It, and just like I said, you will see the effects, and you will feel it. Most of all, you'll feel it. You feel better, you know, once you get your blood flowing and all that, and you, you know, like you said with the stress and all that, it really helped. It helped me out. Through all good. this bullshit now, so yeah, good, but, um, good. I just want to let everyone know who was rooting for her and all that. Well, it's thanks for the update. Good news. Well, well, good news. All right, take care. 
Good stuff. We needed some good news. Let's uh, let's go to Illinois. Dale, welcome. Hello, Kevin. Oh, uh, hey. Yeah. yeah, real quick, I'm going to bring up your NutriQ. Before I do, Matt sent me over the name of that book I was trying to remember. It was Ted Koppel. The name of the book is called Lights Out. Um, if, if people wanted to read two books um, that kind of get you up to speed on this issue I'm talking about, whether it's something like an EMP, you know, being let loose here on the U.S., which there are several countries around the world who do have the capability of doing that. China, um, North Korea's, well, they're really kind of there already, and Iran could do it as well. Uh, those are real issues. Uh, but And then the idea of cyber attacks on our grid and our infrastructure is also real. The two best books, if you want to read about an EMP and what it would do, um, the book is called One Second After. Excellent book. Uh, just very entertaining book, too, but scary about how devastating an EMP could be. And then Lights Out by Ted Koppel. I mean, Ted Koppel was a mainstream media guy, a traditional news guy. And he wrote the book about what, and like I said, this was a while ago he wrote this book. And this problem has only gotten worse. Now the FBI is saying he's absolutely correct. These countries are in our system and they could take things down. And and the FBI believes at some point they will. So I just wanted to get that out there. That's... uh that was the book I was talking about. All right, Dale, tell me um, real quick, and I, I know you and I have gone over some of this stuff in coaching and that kind of thing, but um, for everybody else, it, what's the, the single biggest change you want to make in your health right now? Single biggest, I want to be healthy. I want to get off the uh, junk foods and get my mind right to stay on that the rest of the course of my life, to be honest with you. Okay. Good. So just overall health. You don't have anything really specific. Well, blood sugar. My blood sugar, that's that's a big thing I want to get under control, which I'm, I think we're, we are getting there, but it could all always be better. Okay, good. And and what jumps out at me on the NutriQ, you really only have two uh, two categories in the high priority. And it is, um, well, it was sugar handling. You know, if we look at your original NutriQ, um, sugar handling uh, and digestion were the two areas that were in the high priority. You have achieved quite a bit. Sugar handling is down now into the medium priority. And your digestion that was kind of off the charts is almost back to the to the medium priority. So unless you have something specific, then all I would say is whatever you have been doing to make these numbers better, I would keep doing or do even more of. So if you've obviously changed your diet, uh, the longer and the more you do that, the better these numbers are going to be. I mean, the only area where we went a little backwards Uh, And this is not uncommon. It is the only area you went backwards. And that is in the adrenal pituitary thyroid. And um, I'm not surprised by that because this is a common pattern with everybody. uh, And those are our stress indicators. 
Oh, really? Okay. Yeah. Adrenal thyroid pituitary, those are the hormones and the the glands that that um, they modulate our immune response for one thing, but more importantly, they modulate our stress response. So when we see when we see high numbers in these three thyroid pituitary and adrenal, that is just an indicator that you are being affected by stress. Okay, I do got stress for sure. As you know. Yes, lots of it. So I'm not surprised that metabolically you're getting healthier. That's diet. Stress-wise, things are getting worse. That's more lifestyle. And you have had a lot of things going on that I'm surprised it was. It isn't worse than what it is knowing everything you've been through. Okay. Well, um, so on the digestion part of it, I, I, I haven't got the... Uh, uh, those um, acid pills and my cardio miracle yet, but uh, how long did, do I expect to take uh, those hydrochloric? Did were you ever on a PPI on a regular basis? I was for about twenty years, and then when I then I gradually got myself off of it. I don't even I don't take it. Okay, yeah, you know. It, Usually, in order to fix low stomach acid, takes us about 30 days of the protocol. But when somebody's been on PPIs for long periods of time, decades, um, I've seen it take up to 90 days uh, to really heal it completely. Okay. Well, I wasn't for sure. I mean, I I took a, I got a 60 day supply of it, so um, that's a good start. Yeah, that's a good start. Once you start that protocol, we'll see the results, and then we can usually make a pretty good prediction. But 60 days is a good start. Okay. So as long as I don't veer off my diet again, I shouldn't have any problems with digestion and everything. Like you said, I should see immediate results or feel immediate results, Thank. Pretty close. I mean, I I have really had people feel better in 24 hours, which sounds insane. Um, 48 hours, not uncommon. Um, Certainly within seven days, everybody starts seeing improvements. And we've seen improvements already based on diet. And I don't see any big roadblocks in here. We may have to work on digestion here and there. But for the most part, Right now, the stricter you are on the diet, the better you're going to become metabolically. Stress-wise, diet helps this, but it's not the biggest factor. The biggest factor is lifestyle. It's doing those stress protocols and building our stress resilience. Uh, But the the easy one right now, easier anyway, is the diet. Stay as strict as you can on the diet, and and you will just keep seeing improvements. Okay. Okay. Well, um, so I'm going to ask you about my blood sugar next, if that's okay. Sure, go ahead. Um, so, of a morning, and don't I don't know why, but of a morning, it, it it is higher than during the day or of an evening. Can you ask me, or can you tell me why that is? Did you say it's higher in the morning than it is in the evening? Yes. Yeah, this is a very common pattern. So much so that traditional doctors get this wrong all the time. I just experienced this. Lisa was just at the doctor for something, 
Um, and they made a comment about her blood sugar being higher, fasting blood sugar. It was 107. 110 is pre-diabetic, but that's by traditional measurements of somebody eating the standard American diet. What we have discovered, and it is across the board, this is, this is a, a really solid pattern. I experience it. Virtually everybody does. When you switch from the standard American diet to any version of lower carb. And remember, the standard American diet is about 250 to 300 grams of carbs a day. So when we get somebody under 100 grams, we start to see this pattern. Get them down into the 20 or 30 gram range a day of carbohydrates, and this pattern becomes very distinct. We're eating so few carbohydrates at this point that our body doesn't have enough glucose. Our body uses glucose for our brain. It uses it for some other things. We're, we're just not feeding our body enough glucose, which is fine. The answer isn't give it more glucose. The body can make its own. But when the body starts making its own glucose, it tends to do it overnight, and it tends to spike our blood sugar more so than if we would have eaten a bunch of carbohydrates before we went to bed. So people who eat low carb experience this. There's a name for it. It's called the dawn effect. Your blood sugar will be highest right first thing in the morning as you're waking up. And then throughout the day, it goes down. Doctors are just not used to that pattern. They don't understand that pattern. And they will claim over and over and over that you're pre-diabetic when you're absolutely not. It's the exact opposite. Well, I mean, we've determined that I am, but my numbers are a lot better than what they are. For instance, this morning, uh, they were 170, and I could wake up, and they would be like 210, 220. Yeah. Um, not- and that's been over the course of two or three weeks that I've gotten the average lower uh, down to 170 now. And then during the day, it's running about uh, 135, 140-ish during the day. And I've that- still got a long ways to go, but... You do, but you've already come a long way. That That's pretty powerful to lower that that much that fast. I've got Mark in here with me. Um, we do have some open phone lines. If you want to jump in, I would do it right now. Um, Mark, go ahead. What's on your mind today? So you were talking about uh, the FBI director and the hackers and whatnot. So I looked on Twitter and I found that article you're talking about, and I shipped it off to a friend of mine who works in cybersecurity. Uh, my friends worked for the Fed, Federal Reserve, major banks, companies that deal in sound, just various places, and people in that, that industry tend to jump around because people throw absolutely insane money at them, so they just go from one job to the next. Uh, I'm like, why would, I asked my friend, why would he announce this public policy? And my friend's comment was throwing them into the public show of force is what I'm guessing. What do you mean? Are we screwed? Well, my friend's like, well, China hacked Microsoft email, so we're screwed daily. Is there that much? We don't know, and China's a determined threat. Do we do anything about about it? I mean, us as a country, my friend's like, well, at least we have military cyber teams doing what civilians and companies aren't allowed to do. That's my hope, along with the FBI and NSA, that they have the mandate of the USA as a whole. Oh, that being said... There, I know that there are companies that would like to go in there and organizations that would like to do certain things to determine the Chinese, but 
it's against the law to do so. So we have like, I guess it's the military cyber command or whatever that I forget who created it. I don't know if it's Trump or Obama, but so they're out there doing with probably asinine, absolute insane technology that we probably have as good or greater than the Chinese have. So there's no telling what we're doing and why this was announced to the public. So you got to think behind the scenes, whether you it, disagree with our country or not, in the direction that something's going on through our military to as a deterrent to work on this. That's pretty much all I have to say about that. So. You know, one of the... Um one of the theories going around about this, and, and they would call it a conspiracy theory, I'm sure the, the crazy thing is all these conspiracy theories keep coming true. Um, the conspiracy theory around this, why would they announce it? Did you happen to watch that, that weird movie that the Obamas had something to do with on Netflix? I don't, I don't know if they were the producers or what. It was bizarre. Did you happen to see that movie? I did not. No, I, I didn't. I just listened to everybody throw their conspiracy theory that it was a psyop and it was this and it was that and I'm like I so, didn't even watch it or pay attention to it to be honest with you. So basically that movie that the Obamas were involved with it was a horrible movie by the way. I mean it was not well done at all. I I didn't enjoy it. It was weird. But the idea it, and it was exactly that that they took down our grid. Um it was a cyber attack. That's the main point of the whole program. And then you start to wonder, why would an ex-president be producing a movie like this? What, that, that, so the, the theory is that the media and the government, and, and we know the media and the government have worked together in the past, the Biden administration, we have absolute proof that they've done it. And the theory now is that you are going to start seeing more stories like this and more news like this article, the FBI saying, hey, look, we could have a cyber attack any minute. We know they're in there. We know they have the capability. The theory is that they're doing this so that it starts to normalize it and people get used to these kind of ideas and these things happening. That they, they want to do this. They, it's time for them now to tell us that this stuff could occur. And, and it's a way to start to prepare the population to this is how life's going to be now. Well, everybody's been hacking at everybody now for a long time. And, you know, when you hear that companies get hacked and whatnot, the majority of that, and probably almost 100%, is because some executive clicked on an email that was phishing and allowed their company to get taken over by the ransomware or allow somebody access to their network because they clicked on a link that they shouldn't have clicked on. And my friend says that that is rampant. And while companies want to protect themselves and all like that, they don't want to spend the money for what it takes to beef up their cybersecurity. Therefore, they all get hacked. And all our information has been out there for years. I mean, everything we do is like, I mean, everybody's information's out there. It's, it, it's, it's been out there for a long time. So You know, for the most part, though, I, I, I think we need to distinguish between these personal hacking attacks that that make money that that's the whole point of all those kind of hacks they hack a company and they get you know a million credit card numbers from from one company because every company that we deal with stores all that information like i said it's impossible to keep your information what's that 
too. Through, a lot of that's government sponsored through Iran and Iraq. Uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, North Korea, and, well, even China. I mean, that's government sponsored too. So right, but here's I believe it's all the, the same. You know, there's rogue groups out there that. But I believe well, a lot of that's it's a lot of it's government sponsored. So a lot of it is. We need to distinguish between the two, though. There's two different purposes behind this. There are tons of groups: the Russians, the Chinese, Americans. People that are hacking systems for financial gain. That's been going on a long time. For the most part, for us, it's just an inconvenience. I cannot tell you how many times our business credit card has been hacked over the years and we've had to replace it. Dozens of times. Not once or twice, dozens of times over the years. There have been years where it's happened two or three times in a single year. They hack our credit card. They issue you a new one. It doesn't cost you any money. It's just a hassle. They cover all the theft and all that. It's it's just an inconvenience is all it really is for us. But what we're talking about now are government-sponsored groups that are designed to wreak havoc across entire systems. This is not for financial gain. This is cyber warfare. These are, are groups that, that want to do us harm, and they can shut down entire electrical grids and water plants and banking systems. And when you start looking at the damage they can cause doing that, the, the damage is ultimately death. They can kill people doing this kind of stuff. Yeah, but while we know that's out there, we... we as country, whether you believe it or not, and I truly believe that we have our cyber warfare part of the military, probably is more advanced than what we think. So well, wait a minute. When I mean, when you say when you say more advanced, I, I think you're you're talking about the offensive part. We could go out and do more damage to countries than they can do to us. I I agree with that. Although we, we don't that. I mean we, we don't have the big lead we think we have. The Russians are really, really good at this stuff. The Russians do a lot of this and I, I think they're probably more advanced than we are. But that's not what I'm talking about. I, I know we are advanced. We shut yeah. down Iran's nuclear program like I talked about earlier and it was genius the way they did it. I don't that's not what I'm concerned about. I'm concerned about the fact that these other countries can do it to us. We know they have the capability. That's what I want people to be prepared for. Yeah. And and we do, we can't stop it. I can tell you that. Our our advanced systems are offensive. We don't have much on the defensive. Our electrical grid is a disaster. It's horribly built. It's all bits and pieces and and 32 different operators that have nothing to do with each other right. that control the I, grid I, around the again, country it's a mess again it goes again it goes to back, back to it was built by public by our private companies that b- built this infrastructure and again they've never been they still aren't maybe they're working on it now i don't know i'm like i'll i'll talk to my friend tonight that they're not that interested they're interested in profit and they're not interested in spending extra money for like security and cybersecurity and whatnot. So while the, the, the electrical grid is a national interest, it's also run by public corporations. They're trying to rent, make a profit. 
So while they could have incorporated these costs into building in security features, that kind of was a cost that wasn't in the budget, so to speak. Well, here's another one. We're we're talking about cyber attacks, which is, that's a big, big deal. But there's another much more simple form. Our transformers, electrical systems run on transformers, big ones, little ones, medium size. Most of ours, the way our grid has been designed over the years, most of our transformers are custom. They are specifically built for the location they're in. We don't build them. The Germans and the Chinese build most of the transformers, so we don't even build them in this country. And those transformers can be taken out with a high-powered rifle. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah there's all kinds of unintended consequences built into the system. Yeah, that's already happened. We know it can happen. They they can just take yeah. out a transformer with a rifle. Well, all you got to do is have a car accident too. Can run into one and knock it out. That happens probably more frequently than somebody running around with a shotgun. Oh yeah, but but yeah. there have in the last couple of years there have been many many incidents of just physical attacks on these substations. Yeah, yeah, and there's there's plenty of crazy people out there besides the the foreign entities that want to destroy us. That you know. Would like to make a name for themselves. Plenty of people, and then, like I said, just a random person. If there's a power station somewhere, run off the road into there with a car, and it can shut down neighborhoods. Yeah, you know, in areas. Yeah, no, so, no doubt. Yeah, there's unintended consequences built into the system. Yeah, and and again, think about what happens when power goes out in an area. Now your banking systems yeah. are down. Credit cards don't work. Um, this is why we should all carry a significant amount of cash when we're traveling away from home. And you should have a significant amount of cash at home because if the electrical system goes down, the banking system is going with it. They can also just take down the banking system. I'll talk to my friend about that tonight. I haven't talked to my friend in a while, so I'll call and ask, ask these questions and see what, you know, because my friend works in all all of this. Yeah, see what see what his take is. Who said it's a he? Oh well, yeah, I don't know. I just assumed. I've just been using. I've been using because I don't want to, you know, give away. You know, a friend of mine I met from Twitter that works in the industry. So yeah, that's but, fine. So yeah, I'll ask questions and find out because I haven't talked in a while and see what's going on and you know about about these because it's like my friend had like was in the military with top secret security clearances and yeah i mean you just, you just don't let anybody work for the federal reserve so yeah, yeah. well anyway. we'll find out what you can find out report back to us and we'll talk to you again soon let's go to illinois we've got dale back dale are you there yeah sorry about that that's all right Yeah, so the Dawn Effect is very well documented. We figured this out about eight or nine years ago when we first started eating low-carb because it's a very, very consistent pattern. The Anybody eating low-carb, your body runs out of glucose overnight, and your liver starts producing glucose for you, which is a good thing. It's, a, it's really how our body is designed to work. 
Our body stops doing that because we eat so much glucose and carbohydrates, it doesn't need to. When you go low carb, then that system kicks back in and does what it's supposed to do. It sees that you have very low blood glucose and you need more. It makes more and it tends to make it early in the morning around dawn. And people eating low carb end up with this blood sugar pattern that makes it look like they're pre-diabetic to a doctor, but they're absolutely not. Numbers that I told you, though, I know they're still high. So where where should we be aiming? Where should I be aiming for? Typically, typically we see people fall into a range where their fasting blood sugar in the morning is going to be somewhere between 90 and 110. And doctors that, that, you know, treat diabetes like to see that number 70 to 90. And when you're eating the standard American diet, that's where it tends to be. When you're eating a true, really good human low carb diet, the real number for fasting blood sugar is much more normal between 90 and 110. So I should be trying to get that area then. Yeah, and, and look, you don't have to try to get your blood sugar somewhere. You just eat the right diet and it will get there. It always does. Yes, that's what you told me before. You, you, you do it right, eat right, uh, it'll take care of itself. Yeah, it really will. Uh, and I like the fact that you're monitoring it so you know, and, and you'll just watch it. You've already made huge improvements in it. It's coming down. Just keep doing what you're doing. It will get there. Now, we do have a blood sugar kit in the store. We've got some products called Glucobalance and um, Berberine. Those things have been proven to help with blood sugar. So if you want to kind of jumpstart this process, then you could get one of our blood sugar kits in the store at or take some berberine. Or, but if you just keep eating this way, it will fix itself. Is all berberine created equally? I, 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 there, there is always an issue of quality in supplements. Now, berberine is a fairly straightforward. Berberine is it, it comes from a berry, and it's a what we call a single nutrient supplement. So it's pretty straightforward. But there are always quality issues, and I, I can't possibly know. There, there's probably three hundred brands of berberine on the market. I can tell you that Biotics, we have a berberine. And that's the name of it. It's just called Berberine. Ours is from Biotics. We are 100% positive it's the, the right quality. I haven't, and you also mentioned to me about uh, the glucose monitor. I haven't, I haven't popped on that yet. Um, do you still think that's the best route that's sticking me? Do you think that would give, give me be a better tool than what I'm using right now sticking myself with a regular computer? It's absolutely a better tool. It's more, ac- well, it's more accurate because we're getting more consistent readings all the time, and then we can go back in and interpret. When you do finger sticks, if you don't give us a whole bunch of information, that finger stick can be completely meaningless. People will call me all the time and go, I, I did a finger stick and my blood sugar was 160. What does that mean? I don't know. you got to tell me all the food you've eaten in the last 24 hours and when you ate it. 
And if you have a continuous glucose monitor, we get continuous reading, so it's much easier to interpret. But I will also say this. It's not necessary. It's a nice tool. It helps guide us. It, it gives us good news. We can see that we're improving. We could find other patterns that maybe stress is affecting your blood sugar too. But it's not necessary. If you just want to say, look, I, I don't want to spend the money on the glucose monitor. Just keep eating the way you're eating and watch the numbers keep coming down. I like it. I love, I, I mean, I, I will probably wear one again at some point just because I, I do, because I learn every time I wear one. But I can also tell people it's not necessary. The NutriSense, the NutriSense program that I recommend, yes, you can call and, and do a month at a time if you want, quit any time your program's up, start a new one later. Yeah, it's real simple. Okay. All righty. Well, that sounds good. That's, that's all I got then. All right. Thanks for the call. Good stuff. And also, don't forget, we do have our uh, group coaching tomorrow, 3 o'clock Eastern time in Let's Truck Tribe. Uh, if you're not signed up for our group coaching, you should. Uh, it is very, very comprehensive. Our Our group coaching covers everything from personal budgeting, personal money management, retirement accounts, investments, real estate, if you want help buying a house, any of those things I can help you with on the financial planning side, anything on the business side, anything at all you want to work on on your business, and anything at all you want to work on about your health. So you join the coaching program, you can start and stop, you're only committed for a month at a time. Uh, and I will work directly with you to solve whatever problem you have, money, business, finance, health, you name it. Uh, go to letstrucktribe.com if you want to get signed up for that. We do a group coaching call every Thursday. I alternate between health and business. And some weeks, if we don't, if it's business and we don't have a lot of questions and we still have some time left, I will take health questions. The other way around, if we're on a health day, we don't have a ton of questions and I still have some extra time, I'll answer business questions. So you get a group coaching call every week. It really is a bargain. This is, this is by far the best way to get direct uh, time with me at a very, very low cost. It's only $72 a month, and you can start and stop anytime you want. This week is our health call. All right, let's, uh, let's grab another call. Let's go to Kansas this time. Bob, welcome to the program. Hey, Kevin, how's it going? I had a little bit different take on the FBI warning about China. They're you know, messing around. I have no delusions that China doesn't mess around in our infrastructure, but anytime, like, I don't, and maybe I listen to too much fucker, but anytime I listen, I hear something like the FBI is warning about something, I just don't, I kind of don't believe it. And it's, I believe it that they have different motives, like they are trying to make us scared to make us more controllable. And I, I, I think that since the pandemic and the way they treated the people, that when we get warnings about things like this, it is just to make us afraid 
to make us more controllable. You had a conversation the other day just on this show about how the government is putting so much control on us. And I know it sucks. I don't want to believe that, but that's what goes in my mind first. Maybe I'm wrong. What do you think? No, I'll address that. I think you're correct, but I, I would... I think about it in a different way than you're thinking about it. I agree with your statements. I don't trust anything the government tells us anymore. If this, were, if, if the only information I had about this was coming from the FBI, I might even ignore it. And I, I agree with you that that's why they're telling us this. Like I said, the theory is they're releasing this kind of information in the media, in movies, in social media to kind of prepare us for this or to scare us. That's part of it too. But don't think that because that's their reason that this isn't really happening. That's the one thing I want to warn people about. One of two things is going to happen. Either people just ignore this completely because they don't pay attention to what's going on, or they might take the approach you're taking. I don't trust them, so I'm not going to believe what they're telling me. I don't trust them either. I believe what they're telling me because I know this is true. Ted Koppel wrote the book about it a decade ago. We know it's happened. We have documented cases of it happening. I'm shocked it hasn't happened more. So I don't agree with them. I don't think their motives are pure, but I'm not going to stick my head in the sand and say because the information is coming from them, it must not be real. I, I do agree. I do think that these other countries are constantly probing and playing around in our systems just to see where our weaknesses are. But with, from the FBI that has lured people into these traps, find them to be totally untrustworthy as a government agency. I agree I with you. I think that we have to be really careful on the information that they put out, that this is, these are scare tactics. But, but Bob, listen, what if we can absolutely verify what they are telling us? There's not a single lie in this article. It's all verifiable. So I'm with you. I don't trust them either. I'm not listening to their information on this other than it just confirms what we've known for a long time. They should have been telling us this all along. They weren't. They are now. There's a reason they're doing it now. I don't care about their reason. I don't care that they're untrustworthy. This is a real thing, and I'm not going to walk around going, oh, I don't need to be prepared for this. The FBI is lying to me. No, I totally agree. I, 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 think I carry around money with me all the time. I always try to be prepared for the worst. I just... I. You know, it just seems like to me, like if you take the diet, you know, what they feed us for food or what they call food, it, it, that, that controls us in a way. Yes. Okay, like during the pandemic, alcohol was okay, marijuana was okay, porn, uh, video games, all of those things are to make us more docile, more I, controllable. I completely that, agree with you. I just, I, I just, the other day you had this comment about how the government just, this total control, and talk about fear, just like, you know, uh, the climate, you know, this, this climate change and how they are putting these controls over our, and this is a topic, but uh, putting controls on our trucks, it, it, it is just a fear so they can control, control the population. Yes. The, uh, 
I just, I just, I see the government. You were so right the other day what you were talking about. This tightening control over the American people is seems like it is getting so out of control that so, everything they say. I would like to believe when the FBI says, "Hey, China is misunderstanding our systems, and we have to get this. We have to do something." I want to believe that. My first action was, "Hey, yeah, we're going to hold it." That the more I thought about it. Hey, this is just another fear tactic that they can make control. That's See, that's, that, they, that, you know, when they, when they, that's where I, I think <laughs> you should change the way you approach this. I agree with everything you're saying, except when you start down the path of they're lying to us about this. They're not lying to us. This is the truth. The difference is their intention of why they're telling us, but that doesn't matter to me. If the power is going out, and it will, they will do this. I'm positive of it. All I'm saying is don't allow yourself to not be prepared for something because of the source. Okay. I, I, I agree. I'm with you. I got you. Hey, Kevin, I just had things topic. I did a nutrition uh, a, a month long where I wore a uh, glucose monitor and I, I just was going to tell you I, I, it was really interesting what I seen on my uh, on my glucose monitor and you got a second you know look it up I had yeah, my hey, average hey, real, real quick Bob um, what kind of are you on some yeah. sort of a headset or a mic an external mic or something I am I'm sorry I'll switch well, what's happening is you're really over-modulated, and I tried to turn your volume down, but it's not volume. It, it's you're your driving your mic way too hot, and it's crackling and muffling, and if I'm struggling to hear you, the listeners may not be able to understand you at all. Is this any better here? That is better. Go ahead. Oh, yeah. Anyways, I, I, can't, I can't find it right now, but my average glucose for a month was 86, and I had one spike uh, that went to 128, and it was while I was working out, and I, I just, everything fell right in between all of my averages on a low-carbohydrate diet. It was just really interesting experiment. I know I didn't, I didn't really learn a whole lot, but I, I guess I did, but it's interesting. They were ta- you're talking about the dawn effect, and... Every morning I had a spike, just like what you were talking about. When you go low-carb, your body just recruits that or builds its own glucose, and it delivers it in the morning. And it's pretty regular. Right when you wake up or when you're getting out of bed, you see this spike. And I think I can't believe that doctors don't recommend a glucose monitor like this. I mean, why wouldn't they just – why wouldn't this be an aspirin that they hand out to everybody so everybody <laughs> – understands where their glucose is at well here's the problem i agree with you we should be everybody in the country should wear one of these so they can see how they are all going to be diabetic at some point that that's what i could prove to people wear one of these and i'll predict about what time you're going to show up as a diabetic this is really good information here's the problem doctors tend to only recommend them or prescribe them for their worst diabetic patients like people with a1c's over 10 then they finally think oh well maybe a continuous glucose monitor will help except it doesn't because doctors don't know how to use these things 
and they never explain to people how to use them. NutriSense at least has a good program to actually help you understand how you should be looking at this data and then how you make it better. Every doctor I see, all it is is, oh, look, here's a prescription for a continuous glucose monitor. Then I talk to the patient and say, well, well, let's talk about your patterns and what you're learning. And they're like, oh, well, well, I don't know. I, I just scan just to make sure it's not too high. But nobody explains to them how to use this or what you're supposed to be learning from it. Yes, what a tool to learn. I, I know. I, I was so impressed by it. And it was, it was I, I suggest everybody, anybody who's listening, you should go get one. It, it is the fun. And you get to track your meals. You can take pictures on it. it yeah. You know, it was just for one month. And it, it I'm not going to, I probably will never do it again. But You, you probably don't need to. <laughs> yeah. It, it's not something we, it, it's kind of like, you know, in the beginning, sometimes I tell people track your food, take pictures. But, but I always tell them at some point, we don't want to do that anymore. We're going to do it to learn some things. Same thing here. I'm not wearing a continuous glucose monitor forever. Um, I will probably go back once in a while if I have a new thought or a new theory um, and test things. Um, the next thing I'm really looking at working on uh, is a continuous ketone monitor. There is one that exists. They're just not allowed to sell it here in the United States because of the FDA. Um, but if, if I get time, I've already had people volunteer. You can ship them to Canada. And I've had several callers and, and people I work with up in Canada say, just ship it to me and I'll ship it down to you. I just don't have time. Well, um, but, but that's well, probably. Well, as soon as you get that, sign me up because I am doing that. I would love to see what my ketones are all the time. And the other thing I would like, I know it's a lot more complicated, but insulin i would oh, like to know man. my insulin that 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 is the real key right there if we could get if we could come up with a way for individuals to measure insulin at home or on your own that would be the real key we could absolutely explain to people why you're going to become diabetic tell them when they're going to become diabetic that would revolutionize diabetes care I, 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 but the ketone deal is as soon as you please tell us about it and I sign me up. I, I would love to see what my ketones are on just like the exact same way that I look at pleasure. Yes. Yeah. I'm interested in that. Like I said, I just, I haven't had time. It's not that I can't get it. I can, I could have it shipped to somebody in Canada. I just don't have time to do it right now with everything going on. All righty. Hey, thanks, Kevin. I appreciate it. You have a, wonderful day you're welcome thanks for the call we uh we're gonna wrap this up today um i know i could ask for some more calls we'd probably get them but um i've got a lot going on this week i have a uh i'm a guest on uh the freight nation podcast this afternoon with brent hutto so i've got to get ready for that uh, i've got a coaching call tomorrow i've got to get ready for and i still have to keep working on the cmc so uh when we run out of calls I'm not going to ask too much. I'm just going to wrap things up for the day. We're almost at two hours anyway. So we will see you back here tomorrow for a free-for-all and rolling toe. We'll see you on Friday for the Friday free-for-all and technology and efficiency. Be safe, be profitable, be fit and healthy. Always do the hard work and master the journey.